All right, everyone, welcome back to another edition of Filmcraft. You know what? I had someone ask me the other day how many Filmcrafts we've done, and mm-hmm. I genuinely don't know. I'm going to guess. Do you know the answer off the top of your head, Latif? I do. So we're definitely past 100. I feel like we're at 106 or 7. Well, we're at 106. But technically, right. technically we've recorded 107 episodes because we had one bonus episode. Technically we recorded 108 then because we have thrown out one episode. That's true. Well, we re-recorded that episode, I think. Did we? The one on cinematography? Yeah, we we went over it and re-recorded a better version. Oh, okay. okay. But we did technically record 108, so you're right. Yes. Well, welcome to the 106th episode of Filmcraft. Mm-hmm. And this week, we're going to talk about something slightly different that I think not a whole lot of people have talked about before. And it's just how to generally be productive when you do work, you know, mostly geared towards film. But this whole idea came to me because I am an idiot and I used a tax refund to buy a pair of headphones when I probably shouldn't have. But it's had a lot of really good impacts. So basically, I bought these headphones, which are the Sony XM3s, and they are awesome. I can't recommend them enough. Uh, I got them on a huge sale because it looks like they're clearing out their stock for the next version because these are two years old. One of the things that I didn't really see coming with these is I am way more productive with work than I've ever been because these are over ear headphones. I kind of put them on, they're noise canceling, the world goes to sleep and they sound so good that I just put some music on, whether it's a kind of song that makes me get in the vibe of what I'm writing or just something that I really enjoy while I'm answering emails and doing stuff. And I am hella productive now. And now we're going to give some little tips on how you might be able to get it into a really productive state or even better a flow state what'd you think of the topic when i mentioned it well i just finished doing color correction on a small documentary and it just reminded me of the process i go through when i do color uh i think with writing you can get distracted and kind of wander off at times open up facebook or you know go to the latest news story or or YouTube or whatever. Um, But when you do color correction, it it so requires your attention constantly. Um, In a weird way, it's almost like operating operating a camera. You have to be very aware of what's happening in front of you. Um, So when I do color, I have to black out the windows uh, in the room and make sure that there's no like outside light leaking in. And that alone kind of creates this weird space where all I can see is the monitor in front of me. So it really directs your focus. Um, and there's also like a an aspect of like you can't have any other screens open. So you can't have your phone on standby. You can't have like a, a separate tab open on the machine. You have to only have your monitor for color and then have your scopes and stuff in front of you because you don't want to like taint your eyes with like different colors and stuff um i because i have a keyboard that also lights up too i have to turn off the backlight on my keyboard um so really like directs your attention towards the task at hand i think that's like like a kind of focus that maybe a lot of colors do have which i think when you do specialize in color correction you become very good at it or become very um 
kind of routine based with it because you have to do the same thing every time you do, do that kind of task. When you told me this just before we recorded, yeah, I got the sneak peek into Latif's primary answer. Uh, but when you told me this, I thought that's really interesting because on one hand, it is just a straight, pretty well technical requirement, right? Like you need the color that you are creating on screen to be as true as possible. You can have reflections bouncing off of your screen or else when you export it and it plays in a theater, you're it going to have unintended consequences and the color is going to be slightly off. So it's interesting on the straight technical level, but then it's also arguably even more interesting in just a straight productivity level because you're eliminating every source of distraction or anything that can kind of just pick at your attention here and there as well. It's weird, but like even a lamp in the room, like to my left, just like in my peripheral vision could be kind of distracting. Um, I mean, people get distracted so easily. So, you know, a lamp in the corner. I mean, for me, like if I see a lamp, I already, I automatically, I'm like a mosquito. I'm like, whoa, what is that? <laughs> or like a fly or something. I, I just, I particularly find lamps interesting. <laughs> well, it's probably served you well for cinematography. I know how fond you are of practical lamps on set. Yeah. I mean, I actually moved a new lamp into my room because I found it sitting like in my garage and I wiped it down and put it in my room because <laughs> I thought it was an interesting lamp. But I have a, a weird obsession with the lamps. But um, for me, already, that's already a distraction. Um, like a source of light is a distraction. <laughs> so I actually, it does play into like color correction, but I almost find even when I'm doing writing and stuff, like the less distractions are around you, the more you can focus on what's in front of you. Um, in a weird way, sitting in like a, a kind of plain room is maybe a, a benefit and, and just kind of cleaning up the space you're in. Um, there, you know, like, on the deck in the back of my house, there's so much junk. And what we did as like a family project is we all started like getting rid of all the junk on our deck. We started to move out furniture and old chairs and shit that no one would use. And we really cleaned up the deck. We put in like some wood flooring and there's like a, a coffee table and like a swing um, and like a little patio dining table. That's all. And it's so clean now. And the deck has become like this kind of haven where we can go sit, eat, talk, read. And then I'm even thinking of just moving out there to do some writing every in like a hot uh, summer day or something. But it's really just kind of cleaning up the space you're in actually makes a big difference too because it frees yourself of distraction. But it's also, um, in a weird way, very calming when the place you're in is kind of in order. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's funny that you mentioned the back deck because I'm at my wife's parents' house right now. We are in the middle of nowhere, and since this pandemic hit, we've been staying here. Mm -hmm. um, they have a beautiful backyard with like a pool and everything, and since the weather's quite nice now uh, for writing, every day like I'll wake up, I work out, shower and whatnot, and then it's straight to the back patio table. There's pretty well no one there. It's just a calming nice atmosphere i love warm weather it is my jam <laughs> so i just hang out right there no distractions these headphones kind of cancel out the world and it's just you get in this kind of space where your soul's like this is cool i like this and it enables you to 
you know, write even more. Or right now when we're recording this podcast, I'm not in um, a room where there's a bunch of stuff going on. I'm at a desk just sitting here and that's the only thing that's occupying my time. Or if it's raining outside, I'll go to the most isolated room in the house. And oddly enough, which is quite strange, is I tend to sit when I'm inside on the most uncomfortable chairs possible while I'm doing work, I'm doing it right now. I'm sitting on this wood chair and my ass is killing me, <laughs> but <laughs> it kind of makes me work faster because I'm like, I don't want to sit on this chair and be in ass pain any longer than I have to. <laughs> right. So I'm going to get this work done. Headphones on. World goes away. Let's do this. And it works well. Setting up the environment that that best, you know, motivates you, the person to write right the most effectively is important so if you're someone that needs comfort or needs like some sort of stability to write then that's good but i know people who like they have to go to a coffee shop or they need like movement around them in order to get in that creative mode which is very different than like how i like to work so it also depends on on personal preference because you know there are people out there who go write in coffee shops too yeah, I was actually going to ask you about that because that's the, the the screenwriter stereotype, right? Go to yeah. Starbucks, you're in LA, you write. Yeah. And I'm not someone that, like what I just described is my ideal set of circumstances, sitting in a nice summer day outside and writing. That is my ideal circumstance. But I can write in other circumstances except for when I feel people all around me that have nothing to do with the project I'm working on. Like if you and I were making a movie and we were in a room with our cast and crew and I had to write in that circumstance, I could do it. But like if I try to write on a plane, I just think like if someone's watching me type these words, Mm -hmm. I hate it because these words aren't finalized. I'm going to go back and delete them and I'm going to make seven different drafts of this and this process of writing and going through this chain of failure until I get to the correct sequence of words and the way I want the story to come out. That's just for me. And if if there's randoms around me and a coffee shop's a good example of that, unless I was like somehow in a, a pod, which, you know, coffee shops might have to do because of the virus. now. (laughs) But unless I was in a kind of pod where no one could see my screen, I couldn't do it. Could you go into a coffee shop and write like that? Yeah, I mean, if I find like a table in the corner, I don't think it would be that hard, but it depends on what I'm writing to. Um, I I have very, uh, I guess, nosy ears. I don't know if that's the best way to put it, but (laughs) if I hear someone talking like at the table next to me, I'm going to listen to their conversation. So it'd be very distracting for me. Yeah, man, Uh, we're writers. That's people watching. That's how we learn the craft, basically. Sometimes. Um I also think like there there'll be like the dumbest conversation and I'll just listen to it. <laughs> it wouldn't even be like useful for writing. It would just be something stupid like oh my cat is so sick. It's like oh god, um, <laughs> or like you, what do you feed your cat? I've actually I, you know what's funny? I actually I was at a party, um, a Thanksgiving party a while ago, and I remember the conversation was kind of like dying down, and these two people that kind of knew each other started talking about like what they were feed their what they'd feed their cats and stuff and i thought this is so boring this was like the most (laughs) boring conversation i've ever listened to and i I was sitting there in in my internal 
voice was going, this is so boring, Latif. <laughs> um, but, it, you know, I feel like that I'll be subjected to stuff like that at a coffee shop. Um, the only reason I go to a coffee shop is for coffee. So for you, it would make even less sense because you don't even like coffee. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, even when we were meeting potential cast and crew for what we don't say, or any time, like you just take those coffee meetings, you know, I, it's so awkward for me because that's just the huge. It's, you know, you're not going to ask a random person, do you want to have dinner and let's talk about working together? Like <laughs> coffee's just the thing you do, right? Yeah. So, you know, you go to a coffee shop and they get whatever and they're like, oh, are you not getting coffee? And every time I'm like, fuck, now I got to explain this again. I actually don't like coffee. This is, you know, don't take this in a negative way. And the cool ones are actually like, oh, hey, well, you know, we can just go get a beer next time. It's like, okay, right on. But I'm always worried someone's going to be like, are you some kind of fucking freak? Do you invite me to a coffee meeting and not get coffee? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think the people might be interpreting that that in the wrong way i I find asking someone up for a coffee is is a kind of symbolic thing it's very sweet it's saying hey Mm -hmm. i'd like to get to know you a little more um not not in like a relationship way i mean just like as a person Um, but if you but if you literally take it as like they've invited me for coffee but they choose not to drink it (laughs) the audacity (laughs) or it's not that at all uh that's a woody allen thing right there or Seinfeld. <laughs> yeah, something crazy like that. Why isn't he drinking the coffee? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's good. Um, so one other thing I wanted to mention on the note of productivity and get and pick your brain about it is um, I'll start with the example from the other day. So my wife was like, um, hey, you know, come hang out with me. There's something on TV. Let's watch together. And I was right in the middle of this writing session where I was getting a lot of good pages out. So I said, you know, just, um, I'm going to give me an hour. Let me do this. I want to bang it a little more and then I'll come watch this with you because, you know, I would love to do that too. Um, and she's like, well, why don't you just, you know, come sit in the room and like half watch it and do your writing at the same time. And I was at the start of writing this thing where I was still like in the thick of the weeds. I was really still figuring out what it was and doing the like painful hard work of breaking the story so i said like look i'm at this point in the story where if i'm given even just the slightest leeway if i give myself the slightest leeway i'm going to give up on this for the day i really need to sit here subject myself to this terrible chair and just work through this i can't divide my attention at all but if i'm later in the process and call it in the in the second half of writing something or if i'm just answering emails or doing something where i have a little bit more of it figured out and it's you know for lack of a better term easier work then i can do that and i know that i can grant myself that leeway to go half watch something half work on this and i think that's a really important thing for everyone to ask themselves is just know yourself in that way where i no, if I'm at this stage of this part, portion of this work, then I need to just dedicate everything I can to it. I can't be divided in any way. And then this other stage, you can kind of multitask and put yourself in these situations to kind of know when you work best and when you, you know, work worst kind of thing. Do you have anything like that, Latif? Um, not, not like so regimented. Like I do have like a, 
a kind of I do have like a kind of routine that I like to have before I write and it usually what consists, is that? it consists of like incorporating like a a lot of silence <laughs> I know this sounds weird but like uh, silence plus nature um, and then and then potentially some caffeine or some sort of food um, so I, like I have to be like not listening to people so not listen to podcasts not listening to you know a YouTube video or conversation with anyone and just the only thing I allow myself to do is listen to music and then so do you kind of just like find a quiet place listen to music just wait for yourself to sink into that zone yeah like I'll I'll go for a walk as well like at a park and like I, I find it I know this is this is very specific and might be it might sound weird but like i allow myself to be around tall trees Mm -hmm. um specifically not just like going outside like in my neighborhood but like finding places with very tall trees going around places with very tall trees and kind of looking up at the trees and kind of appreciating like how big they are um but also like in a weird way thinking about like oh it took this tree a very long time to grow um but not that specific every time but just kind of like being around trees and kind of appreciating like the size and 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 all this kind of stuff um eventually it just becomes subliminal and just going for a walk around trees and stuff kind of puts you in the zone of kind of calm um but it allows you to just like let go of any other thoughts because i know right now there's like a constant news cycle and everyone is like just looking at shit um and you need time when you're not taking in like direct information, especially when it's not something you can really act on. Um, like me hearing about like 200 coronavirus deaths isn't going to help me write. And it's not going to affect me in a personal way that it does anything for me. It's just like more news that's sad and, and useless in a way. Um, not to discount people dying but it's like that's just more information that does nothing for me but like stress you out um so in a way it's just disconnecting from things and also appreciating nature in a way that almost makes you appreciate like passage of time and and silence um it gets you in this weird place where when you sit down and write now you can just think about the story and the writing and you're not really focused on anything useless um, but you, I, I also feel like you have to be active and not seeking information that isn't relevant to you. Um, and just kind of creating a space where you're, you're allowing yourself to just think about story, the story that you're um, trying to create. And I, I do find music is very helpful because I, I make playlists for films that I'm writing that feel like they would belong to the story. So I don't, I don't know if that's something you do. Yeah, you know, it's really interesting. And it was something that I was going to bring up when I first started writing and part when I first started writing up to party stories, I couldn't listen to music when I was writing because I found it extremely distracting. But now I do that. And ever since what we don't say all through every script I've written since I do the exact same thing. I make a playlist of songs that kind of evoke the tone or the emotion of what I'm going for. And I think a lot of that really came down to now I'm kind of comfortable writing. You know, I know the craft. You just keep getting better at it. And I can kind of turn off the 
part of my brain that's like, oh, you know, how do I do this? How do I do that? What What is the format? That's just all kind of second nature now. So I don't have to focus on that. And now I can use this music as a as a type of fuel to get the script going. And it, what's really interesting is I find now more than ever that as long as I have the right songs selected, and like I said, I put these headphones on, the world disappears. If I just focus on that music and type, I don't get into a state where everything I write is perfect. I'm very often, you know, writing a sentence and then I'll delete it and I'll do it again and I'll do that 10 times just for one sentence. But it does feel a lot like a flow state. Like I feel very unencumbered by my own thoughts aside from what's going into the actual writing process. And that's another thing where it really helps to, like I have fade in full screened on my computer. I don't even have the, um, the bar that tells me the time and, you know, file and whatnot up top. It's just full. That's the only screen. Um, my phone's put away. I don't have anything coming in, trying to cut into my attention span from that flow state. And it really keeps me in the groove kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And I can totally see why you would say going out in nature gets you into those states. Cause like you mentioned, we we're in a, a time where we constantly have this computer in our pocket, right? And it's mm -hmm. constantly, wanting our attention because the bottom line is you can access some really interesting stuff on that little phone computer you have right mm -hmm. but by going out into nature kind of putting your phone away just listening to some music and disconnecting you shut off that constant need for new information or entertainment and it can really be freeing and peaceful and kind of have you hone in onto what you're trying to figure out in terms of you know whether it's just straight up yourself you're working on an aspect of yourself or you're working on a story you want to know how to write something in an x kind of way and be effective yeah and, and also when it comes to productivity for writing or just any film related work i find the phone the phone to be really detrimental in ways it's like it's a very helpful tool for communication scheduling um uh you know setting up meetings or, or having like long distance conversations with people especially right now but um i you know I, this is a weird i wouldn't say it's an experiment but it's like a weird just like a noticing of like your own behavior um because you know i i have facebook and instagram and and email and stuff on my phone um and i use facebook messenger more than i use facebook to talk to people um and then i found myself like literally catching myself going why am i scrolling through facebook i don't even use it for anything i only use facebook yes. messenger um <laughs> so I, I i uninstalled the facebook main app and then i found myself thinking um every now and then like oh i'll check facebook and i opened up my phone and i didn't have it on my desktop and i thought why am i checking facebook because like, i have no reason to check facebook it's just kind of like a natural tick you have yeah. And, and I'm finding, like, you know, our, just in general, like, people and our, our addiction to social media and Facebook and these apps are so powerful, um, but so unchecked and, and, and unnoticed by ourselves. Um, it's kind of scary because, you know, you've, I, I was like, you know, a teenager in a time when cell phones were just becoming new. And I remember not getting my first cell phone and I was like, 
22 or probably, you know, a lot later than other people. But I remember before I had my phone, like I was totally fine. There was no issues. I like the cell phone, not having a phone didn't detract from my life. But when I got the cell phone, over time, you do get very distracted and you do get very addicted to it in ways that you don't notice. Um, and, I, and I'm really considering, because um, the phone I have now is, is slowly starting to malfunction as as they're built to do. But I'm considering getting just a, um, a simple old like Nokia phone or something really basic, whereas I, I'm not subjected to those distractions. Because the reality is, like, none of them are very helpful at all. And I, and I only use the phone for base, really basic um, functions when they're used in, like, any necessary um, way for communication and stuff. So I can check emails online and all that stuff. It's not fundamental that I have to check them constantly. Yeah, totally. And you nailed it on the head. The supreme word for that is addiction it absolutely is we are constantly tied into this and we check it so often that it literally has become second nature aka a kind of addiction right and i know exactly what you mean like i don't have facebook on my phone i have instagram but i even i do it several times a day i'll log on to instagram i don't really scroll through it because i find that kind of boring but i'll watch a couple stories i'll get about three in and be like I don't care about any of this. Why the Mm. hell am I doing this? And then I close the app. But that doesn't mean that I don't, like, I keep doing it. And I don't know why I do it. I know why I have it on my phone. Because I do think you, social media will help you. Like, we plug this podcast, what we don't say, all our projects. So it is helpful in that sense. But I ask myself, like, why do I scroll through these Instagram stories? Because I always get three in. And even then, I don't watch all of those three. I just do the click thing, so it skips them. (laughs) And I'm like, I'm just literally wasting my time in feeding this addiction. But Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there's a line of, it really does help, but it really does hurt. And it's up to you to, I don't know, I guess kind of strike a balance of that. Yeah, I'm trying to like block time because I I still use Instagram and and some I'm starting to post photography again, but um, I'm finding I need to make blocks of time where I'm allowed to use it kind of mindlessly, mm-hmm. uh, and not and not just like completely um, taking it away uh, because I do have to use it when I promote something or when I. Um, share some news of something coming out so i think it would be kind of uh i wouldn't say selfish but in a way self-serving if i only use it to promote stuff but not participate in it in some way um Mm -hmm. so every now and then i do look at other people's photos and i'll send messages to people and stuff and then when it's time for me to share something it doesn't seem like i'm just doing it for myself constantly um, mm-hmm. But I do think there there has to be a limit on to how you choose to use it, um, but also some in in ways staying involved in the community that you're a part of online. Um, I, I'm definitely wary of all of it though, because even if you're posting stuff and sharing things online, and you're not using it as much yourself, you're still kind of aggravating a system where it requires you to steal people's attention (laughs) and Mm -hmm. i think in general it's all still very 
harmful in a way that that's unchecked and that people aren't aware of because it's so um, innocuous and it's so widespread. Uh, it's like if everyone has a disease, is it a disease? <laughs> because, yeah. because like everyone is subject to it. Um, there's no one immune to it. Uh, and I, I, I feel like a part of me is, um, I think back to like, because uh, we've never had anything as addictive as um, our phones. Um, and I mm-hmm. think back to like great writers that I, I aspire to at least reach like a, a, at least a, a tenth or even a hundredth of, of the level of work they've done um, who've existed, you know, hundreds or 200 years ago and, and written great novels. And the luxury they had is they had the luxury of being very bored <laughs> <laughs> and, and we're not allowing ourselves to have that now because we're constantly um, bombarded by information and notifications and and funny videos. Um, but we don't allow ourselves to become bored. Then from the boredom, eventually inspired to do something. Yeah, totally. And the other thing with these social media apps too is they actively reward you for doing more with them. And, you know, uh, I'll give you an example. I started using Twitter, I don't know, like two, three years ago, something like that. And it actually went fairly well. By the end of, uh, or call it like up to about a year ago, when I would post something, it would get a, you know, small amount of traction, but it would be noticed by, you know, dozens of people. And then I moved to Ireland and I got kicked out of Twitter. And the only way I could get my password back on was for them to text my phone number. But I didn't have that phone number again because mm-hmm. I was in Ireland. So I didn't go on Twitter for like six months. And then when I did go on and I started posting it again, no, I guess it, I'm guessing it doesn't show up in people's feeds because now I'll get like one or two, like, I don't know, hearts. I guess that's likes compared to before mm-hmm. when it would be you know, way, 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 way more than that. So I think with these apps, you know, if you don't maintain a flow of putting your stuff out there, they don't, I don't know, build you up as much, make you as noticeable, I guess. Mm -hmm. Now, that's just a theory that I have based off that. Who knows if it's true, but I could totally picture it panning out to be true. Yeah, I think they they penalize you or they maybe slow down the traffic directed towards you if you don't use it quite as often because mm-hmm. i think what they want is to constantly create um attention towards people that are constantly posting stuff and and yeah. kind of create the traffic flow yeah, they um, reward the loyalty right yeah uh so it's, it's definitely like the more the more you do the, the more you'll be seen and the more you'll be pushed um, but, uh, you know, I, I'm definitely very wary, I'm starting to become more wary of my own behavior with this kind of stuff, because, um, as productive as I try to be and want to be, I, I do think if I were to eliminate the distraction of the cell phone, then it would, it would literally make me 10 times more productive. Yeah. Well, do you have any last kind of thoughts on the social media part of it? No, not that. I mean, just for focus, I guess. Like, I I have, like, this big mechanical keyboard. Um, 
So when I write, I tend to write very fast and and like the clicking of the keyboard is kind of loud. So as I'm writing, like there's this, this kind of like flurry of loud clicking that comes um, mm-hmm. from the keyboard, and I find that sound to be kind of uh, inspiring in, in in a way when I get that kind of flurry of like oh I've got an idea and I'm like s- slamming away at the keyboard. Just the mm-hmm. sound and the feeling of like hitting the keys like, that way um, is very rewarding in itself, uh, and that's the kind of addiction that I'm okay with. Um, I, I specifically got this mechanical keyboard. Um, I originally thought for editing because it was, it's more tactile, but in a weird way, I find it even more useful for writing because it's kind of like writing on a typewriter. It's very hmm. tangible when you do the actual work. I'm going to tell you a funny story because I 100% agree with you. And I'll tell you the story. This is burned in my memory of when I realized that that also rang true to productivity in my mind. And it was in grade 10. So we'll take you back to younger me. Like 60 pounds ago, I'm mm-hmm. super, super thin. I am incredibly shy. I hated high school. Like if I could be one thing in high school, it would be invisible. I hated it. I couldn't wait to get out of there. And we're in this ComTech class, so like a computers thing. And I'm typing away. And then I'll never forget the like cool kid in school she's like Mm -hmm. who's typing so loud matt is that you and i look over and everyone's staring at me i was fucking horrified man (laughs) i swear (laughs) i went beat red and i was just super embarrassed but that was the moment that i realized yeah that clicking like it really makes you feel like you're being productive and you're getting a lot of work done Mm -hmm. so it was a bit of a side jaunt but i agree latif i agree yeah i mean it doesn't the louder you type the like the better your writing gets is not is not like a statement i'm making but i'm saying like if you if you (laughs) if you feel that kind of sensation you're getting like that oral sensation from actually doing that there's something kind of nice about it but it doesn't Mm -hmm. mean your writing is going to be better if you type faster or something (laughs) it's just a kind of like a, a side thing i mean it's also one of the reasons i hate working on apple um, laptops and stuff it's because the mm-hmm. keyboards are so dainty and dinky you know there's like no like f- feeling when i type on them it feels like have i pressed a button <laughs> like i can't tell um and the sound is so like uh silent and wimpy uh i'm not i'm not saying like i have a problem with like the apple laptops and stuff but i find them to be so unsatisfying to write on uh, yeah, you know what's interesting? Um, so I have a MacBook Pro, and it's from 2015. And I've never really had an issue with it. Like, I feel like the keyboard is very tactile, like you mentioned. Mm-hmm. But when I was in Bali, it, kind of, it started overheating, and it would freeze a lot. So I started mm-hmm. looking into buying a new one. And I'm a huge fan of Mac OS, so it's like, I'll look into new MacBooks. And apparently the story is, so mine's 2015. In 2016, they changed to something called a butterfly switch. And basically what that is, is the keyboard, it's actually more recessed and thinner. And they did that to make the whole computer thinner. But as a result, there's no key travel. It feels like you're just pushing nothing. And a lot of people say exactly what you say. They hated it. Um, actually, notoriously, when Tiko Atiti just won the best adapted screenplay at the Oscars, mm-hmm. if you watch his... Um, like after you win an Oscar, I guess they bring you into this press pool and they ask you questions. If you watch his version of or his interview in that, 
someone asked him, with the WGA negotiations going on, what are you really hoping will come from this? And he's just like, yeah, I really wish Apple would change those keyboards. They're terrible. (laughs) (laughs) So I guess after four years of doing this, Apple actually was like, okay, these keyboards do suck. So now they've changed back to the scissor switches, which are the ones with the actual travel and whatnot. Mm -hmm. So it's super interesting that you mentioned that because apparently it's a thing. And I never had any idea because I didn't own that computer. But yeah, the rest of the world agrees with you, man. Apparently, people really hated them. Yeah, I, I mean, I didn't even like the old ones that much. I still felt like they were very low profile. Like mm-hmm. I have, you know, my keyboard's in front of me now, and if I hit it, you can you can really hear it, and and I could feel the key going down. Yeah, it's got down. like the one inch travel. Yeah, and I I like that, and it's also very easy to to fix the keyboard if like one of the keys breaks, so you can just pop it out and pop a new one That's in. That's true. Um, I find it useful, and there's there's something very nice about actually feeling the the keys go down when you press them. Like it, it's like when you're typing on a smartphone, it feels so um, messy. Like nothing. Yeah. So I don't want that kind of feeling when I'm typing. There's something about like actually feeling the your fingers do the work and stuff. I mean, the carpal tunnel syndrome years later will probably not <laughs> not say the same, but. For now, I'm, I'm totally okay with it. Yeah, that's yeah. fair. You know, I'm going to veer off just for a second. We can come back to this too. But one thing that I wanted to mention on the note of productivity, and I've been meaning to bring it up in a podcast for a little while now. So I mentioned when I was in Bali, my computer started freezing and overheating and whatnot. Um, when I got back to Canada, I was like, okay, I'm too broke. I can't afford a new computer. What can I do to make this better? And since I have an older computer, it has an SSD card reader. So I just went on and I bought a little extra memory. I plop it in and now I have triple the memory. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, this thing's overheating too. I just brought or bought Apple's proprietary screwdriver because they're kind of dicks and they need to be different with everything, including screws. I opened it up and this is a 2015. I haven't cleaned it once. The amount of dust inside this thing was crazy (laughs) so just with like 20 minutes worth of maintenance opening it up taking all the dust out formatting this ssd putting it in it just lives in there now i never take it out this thing runs like new it doesn't overheat unless i'm doing something that's you know major major intensive which i never really do it's fast again because i just transferred all my files onto this memory card and now it has all the memory it needs to do whatever it wants so just on the note of productivity, I saved, you know, what, like $1,500, $2,000 on buying a new computer when I just spent 50, not even 50 bucks, it was like 20 bucks on a little SSD card and five bucks on a screwdriver to clean the entire thing out. And totally worth it. So, yeah, the note of productivity, that's probably saved hours and hours and hours and hours and hours of my life trying to make that money to buy that new computer I didn't need. Yeah. Little things to make a big difference. What do you work on, Latif? Do you still have that uh, laptop that we've edited both movies on? Yeah, that, that's my big editing machine. It's this Asus, um, I guess, kind of gaming laptop, but I don't really game on computers anyway, so it's just kind of the default editing machine that I use for anything big or anything shot on like a, you know, a red camera or something because it has a little more horsepower. Um, I use that one mostly for uh, editing, but I, I was using it for a long time for uh, you know screenwriting. 
Um, and it's got a, you know, a normal keyboard. It's definitely better than the Apple ones, but I found that once I got the mechanical keyboard, I just prefer to work on that more. So I've been write, writing and stuff off of the desktop computer, but, um, you know, if I wanted to go sit out on the balcony or something, I'd probably take the laptop with me. Um, it's better for, for mobile stuff around the house, but even that laptop is not a mobile laptop. It weighs about like 10 pounds. It's very heavy. <laughs> it's very big. Um, it's got a lot of horsepower. Uh, I use that like on set for, um, you know, offloading camera footage and stuff if I need to, but it, it's a, it's, it's a very, um, intensive, machine as well i don't have anything very light that i can tote around but a part of me was thinking about just getting a very very small laptop that i can write anywhere on that doesn't make it hard for me to jump into that mode yeah i mean i would recommend that i'd love this macbook pro it's not the lightest i think it's clocked in at like three pounds or something like that but having a portable laptop like you know i can go right in the backyard or i can travel asia with it and write the entire time i would recommend it um, one thing I wanted to ask, because you'll you'll hear this question a lot, specifically when it comes to things that you need more horsepower for, like editing. Um, people will often say, like, you need the, the latest and greatest, but your laptop, from what I can tell, it still works like a champ, and it's not even close to new. So would you have any advice to listeners that are like, I feel like I'm going to get into editing, I should buy a machine that can really do what I need, or people that are just like, oh, I'd like one, and where the line is between I'd like one, a new one, and I need a new one? Well, it depends on what your purpose for it is. If you're if you're doing, like, basic editing, you know, cutting demo reels together, you know, maybe even delving into, like, cutting a short film together, you don't need, like, a huge setup or anything. I mean, you could simply just get, like, a Mac and... or, you know, like, a MacBook and, and work off that because they're strong enough to run adobe and 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 a lot of people use them for editing anyways uh so that that would be a pretty simple choice but you know if you're not really into apple products and you want to kind of be a little more open to to feature purchases and stuff like that you can just get like any um branded you know you can get an aces there's uh dell laptops there's uh, Lenovo. Um, and there's more intensive stuff like the Asus gaming line and the Alienware line. I mean, those are all pre-made machines. So they're kind of like ready to go. Um, you can also build your own desktop computer uh, with the help of like, you know, your local uh, computer store guy who can give you advice on like what, what you would need. But in general, like if you've got like, you know, 16 gigabytes of RAM, that's more than enough for most, um, you know, editing jobs. And uh, you don't need like the latest, greatest graphics card. It really doesn't make too much of a difference when it comes to rendering and stuff. Um, so it's just about having something that's good enough. It'll take you a long way. Um, if you're not doing anything very intensive where you're like, rendering very high resolution footage constantly or dealing with like um 3d graphics and um dealing with like 3d motion and uh, a bunch of more complicated things then you don't really need a, a very intensive machine you can get away with something pretty 
um, in the middle. Like you could probably pay like around like seven to a thousand dollars. Sorry, seven hundred to a thousand dollars to get like a <laughs> an average machine, and that would be good enough. Um, but I don't, I don't think you have to like go crazy and get like the super rig, especially if you're not going to be intensely editing. Like if you're not trying to be an editor and you just consider yourself like a filmmaker, don't go crazy with the machine. Just get something kind of normal. Um, mm-hmm. But you know, I, I'd recommend getting like a, a reliable desktop because it will probably last you a little longer. But, you know, if you're going to get a laptop and, and you want to be able to travel around, then there's tons of options out there. It's not like a, um, there's not a shortage of laptops out there. <laughs> One unforeseen thing that the virus caused <laughs> it's a is there are no laptops left. My God. Oh, that's funny. So just to put it in like context, I know when you got your machine, the, uh, what is the laptop? It's an Asus ROG. Yeah. So when you got that, that must've been like what, five years ago. And it was pretty like mid range to top of the line at the time. Right. Yeah. It was at the time that it came out, it was their top of the line laptop. And I got it in the most decked out version as well. So I got 32 gigabytes of RAM. Um, it was uh, 17 inch. It was the biggest one. And, you know, like it, the back of it looks like it's like a Ferrari or something. It's got these big vents on it. <laughs> it's very impressive looking. It's, it's matte. Um, so when I got it, it was like the, the best that they had. And now it's um, been replaced by like six other laptops because every year they come up with something even better. Uh, but it's still running very well. It's very uh, strong. I can use it perfectly fine for editing most projects. Um, I, I've been using it for color correcting bigger projects. Um, the screen itself isn't like the best. It's good enough for like editing and stuff. But for color correction, I would attach a second monitor and use that as a reference. I wouldn't use the, the laptop screen as the color color reference monitor yeah so just for any viewer or listener that's listening and wondering what you should get there's an example of a five-year-old laptop which was very top of the line at the time but it's still perfectly fine so like don't think you need to go spend five thousand dollars right now on the latest and greatest thing like there are a lot of machines that will do exactly what you need. Like Latif mentioned that you can get for a thousand or under. And especially if you're a screenwriter, like, you know, you can get the shittiest computer out there. It just has to type and not die. Yeah, And a part of it is also treating your machine with, with care as well, because I, you know, I took my machine on location. I, I had a, like a Pelican case for moving it around if I needed to, but the power, the power adapter, where the um the connector is it actually started to die on my laptop so i was actually getting worried like oh no is this the end and i took it to a few repair places they were giving me like these outrageous quotas and i took it to this one place in vancouver called hackery which is now the the one place i trust they looked at and like oh it looks like you just have like a part that's not working here we can replace that cost me like 120 bucks they replace the part perfectly fine it was all working again um so i got the laptop repaired but i i remember when they were doing the repair they were like how old is this machine i'm like oh, i 
got it like four years ago and they're like wow it's in really good condition um they're impressed with how clean it was and stuff and it was just like a testament to like when i got that laptop it was the most expensive piece of equipment i had and to me it was like the one thing i needed to keep working in this industry because i you know for me i live and die on editing and color correction that's how i get most of my work um so the laptop at the time was like a, a huge deal for me. So I needed to make sure it was safe. It was like a car for me. Uh, that's why I kept it in such good condition. But I find that um, I'm appalled when I see filmmakers and people who work in the industry and the way they treat their laptops because it's crazy. <laughs> like checking them around, they'll leave them on the floor. The like the cable where it's charged is like bent and like falling off the table. And I'm just like, holy shit. I would not <laughs> allow that to happen with my machine. Um, I treat it very, very, uh, I treat my machine like people treat their pets. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's good news, man. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's awesome. <sighs> All right. So, um, one thing I wanted to get to before this episode ends is just if you had any, call it bite-sized nuggets for anyone out there that's like you know i'm kind of struggling with productivity whether it be on a technical level or on a call it emotional level what would they be um i think i do think look like this is an industry where you have to be so proactive and like running on all cylinders to get anything done and sometimes you might not even have an idea and you'll be running on a full tank and like really going for it, but you have nothing you're working on. You're just like constantly in this mode of like, I gotta, I gotta do something, but there's no project you have. There's no scripture writing. And I think you have to have moments where you just not do anything and you allow yourself to figure out what, the, what the actual project is. Um, because you, you'll exhaust yourself. You know, between projects, I allow myself to be extremely disconnected from everything. Um, even films, like there are times when I just, I don't feel like watching movies for a while, you know. Um, just because I've been so immersed in the world and sometimes I just need to like reconnect with like the the stuff happening around me on a very immediate and personal sense. And I think you have to allow yourself to not work sometimes in order to become productive because if you're always trying to do something you're going to burn out and mentally you're not going to be focused on the right things you need to allow yourself to become like i said bored um to a point where something actually does inspire you and some some idea comes to you and and says hey this is something that you should you know pay attention to because it won't won't get out of your head and, and that's when you're able to become truly productive because you know what you're working towards but there's a there's a feeling of when you're a new filmmaker or with a lot of filmmakers nowadays that you always have to have something. Um, there's there's that great um, thing we've heard from so many people where like, what's the next thing? And a part of me is like, well, I, I think you uh, I kind of want to fight against that where it's like, no, you don't always have to be working on something and always be doing something. It's good to be productive, but it's good to be productive um, with things that are important to you, not just for the sake of having something. Um, this industry like eats people up very quickly. And I think um, you have to 
preserve herself for the long term and not just become like this machine that feeds uh, the need of like getting content out there. Because this is a very capitalistic uh, mentality with the film industry. It's very much like we need people to crank shit out and keep doing it. And I think you as a creator and as an artist need time to just um, think, breathe, and figure out what you're trying to do and how it impacts the people out there who receive it later on. So I think it's just making space to create that right project for the productivity to really latch on to. I think that was very well said, Latif. I hope so. Some guy's like, what do you mean? I've got six scripts. <laughs> uh, could you imagine if you said that? And I'm like, that sucked. I'm talking about Latif. It's like, you idiot. <laughs> you always have to be working on the next six scripts. <laughs> if you aren't writing at least 75 things at one time, give up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hey, and look, and I, I've been in that mode too of hyper productivity where I feel like I always had to have the next thing. But I find that taking a break and really thinking about the next project actually benefits you greatly because you're not, you're not jumping into something that just seems like a good idea. You're doing something that you feel like you're really compelled to do. Because there's a ton of like interesting good ideas out there, but it doesn't mean that you're the right person to knock them off. You can always pitch it to someone else or just let it fly by and, and hope for some other soul in the universe to think of it. It doesn't have to be yeah. executed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, yeah. I mean, look, I can't top that. I think that was very well said. So Latif gets the last word. <laughs> Sweet. I almost thought of doing a slow clap there, but it, slow claps are impossible to pull off in person, yet alone over Skype long distance. <laughs> Unless you're Shia LaBeouf. <laughs> yeah, he can do anything. Oh, you know what? On that note, I'm going to give a little review before we leave. I watched The Peanut Butter Falcon the other mm. day. Have you seen that? No, I haven't. Shia LaBeouf movie. It was delightful. I really, really loved it. So anyone out there listening to this, if you want a movie that's just full of heart, very charming, very funny, and super enjoyable, Peanut Butter Falcon. Check it out. Sweet. I'll add that yeah. to my list. Yeah, do it. It's good stuff. All right. Well, until next week, this is Filmcraft, and it's brought to you by Acast. They're a podcast hosting service. They're awesome. I think they're cheap. I don't really know. I haven't checked it out. But they're free. they treat us really well. So if you're going to start a podcast, give them a look. And you can listen to us on Acast for free as well. There's an Acast app. Is there really? Yes. Sweet. Is that what you used to listen to podcasts? No, I use Google Podcasts. So. Oh, okay. Yeah. I'm going to have to check that app out. But if it's half as good as what they do for their hosting, then it's got to be pretty rad. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll see you next week, guys. Cool. Bye.